Uh, I have a good message for you today, I think. I was really tempted to do an entire message based off of that skit because it's a phenomenal story that is based around scripture. Jesus is the good shepherd and he's the one that brings us all in and all of us are lost without Jesus. And uh, some of us grow up in church and some of us don't grow up in church. Some of us have a, a profession as Christians and some of us don't, but we uh, can all come to the good shepherd who is always out looking for the lost. He's the one that leaves the 90 and nine behind to go seeking the one that is lost. And that's you, right? If you were paying attention to the skit, uh, one sheep didn't know that he'd ever been lost. And further, he didn't know that the other sheep had been lost at some point in time. He just figured that she'd always been there. So, uh, you know, that might be you. Maybe you brought up in church and it's like, well, you know, I was kind of born in church, but you still have to make up your own mind as to whether you want to follow Jesus or not. It's an important decision and it is your unique decision to make. Some people make this when they're young. Some people make it when they're teenagers. Some people make it when they're older, but it is a very important decision to make. You are in the process right now of deciding whether you want to spend eternity with God or whether you want to keep doing things your own way and risk eternity separated from God. And uh, when I was 16 years old, I chose to give my life to Jesus. I came to faith at uh, the North Phoenix Baptist Church as the result of a preacher there that just told the good news about Jesus. And uh, I saw it on TV, which is one of the main reasons why I think it's so important that we have an online presence because there are plenty of people that don't feel comfortable or confident or uh, just don't go to church. And uh, they might happen upon our YouTube broadcast or Facebook and um, respond to that. So today, the title of the message is You Are Gifted. You may think of yourself as being a very gifted person or maybe you don't. Many times when we associate being gifted with uh, something, we think of perhaps a musician. Like uh, our, all of our musicians up here are very gifted, it's obvious. Uh, I was talking to a gentleman yesterday who visited our service and uh, he said that he had actually gone up to Rachel and Veronica and said, you guys need to do a CD, right? Um, so they're, they're phenomenal and they're gifted. That's, that's awesome. Or you might think of some, you know, some person that's athletically gifted, you know, a football player, a basketball player. Um, I'll give you a unique instance of this. Uh, there is uh, in Yosemite uh, National Park, there is a rock feature called El Capitan. Have you ever heard of this, right? Um, and uh, you can find that picture in there, Autumn, and put it up there so that they'll recognize it if you had a copy of uh, OS X from Apple some years ago, then you have seen that picture right there. So that's just a, I don't even know if you call that a mountain, right? It's just a sheer rock face. Now. Do you think it would be easy to climb that? It would be difficult to climb that no matter what. But there had been people who had climbed it using ropes and a partner. That'd be, that'd be the only way I'd even think about it, right? Because I'd be thinking I'm going to fall several times. But there's a, a film that I could recommend you watch if you're not terribly afraid of heights. And it's called Free Solo. And it is about the first person ever to climb this mountain without ropes. His name is Alex Honnold. And if you'll put that picture up there, you'll see one shot of him on the side of, there he is right there. There's no ropes. He climbed the whole thing himself. It took him like all from early morning into the afternoon. And uh, this film called Free Solo 
uh, looks at this feat. Now, just because he's gifted in that area doesn't mean he didn't work really hard. He did a lot of climbs with ropes to test it out. And uh, if you watch the film, you'll see that he took a lot of notes as far as what he needed to do. Because literally, if you lose your, play, you know, your footing there, you're dead. Literally, you are simply dead. In fact, a couple of people tried to climb this not too long ago and fell to their deaths. So I would think of somebody like that as being gifted. But I want you to understand something. Even if you're not athletically gifted or musically gifted or gifted in some other area, some people are gifted uh, chefs or cooks, uh, you know, you all, if you come to Christ, if you hear the call of Jesus to come and follow him, he will place his spirit in you and he will gift you. So um, you need to understand a couple of things and this you'll find this in your bulletin if you want to follow along and fill these in and some people it helps them to keep engaged. Um, first of all, number one is realize that you're here for a season and a reason. Now, when I say a season, I'm not just talking about Thanksgiving or Christmas. I'm talking about you're here for a temporary period of time when none of us knows how long we'll be here. I hope you're here for a hundred years, but nobody knows. Um, we had, we lost a couple of members in the last several weeks and, uh, one of them was 96 years old and he lived a, a long life and was devoted to the Lord. And we lost another of our young men who was only 17 years old and he died in a rollover accident. And we loved both of these folks. But what that tells us is you just don't know. You really don't know how long you've got. So it's important to make up your mind, as I did, um, spoke to you earlier, that you decide whether you're going to follow Jesus and you want eternal life with God or whether you're gonna kind of press on on your own and, and risk eternity separated from God. But you are here on earth for a season and for a reason. And as I've said to you guys before, the primary reason is to prepare for eternity with God in heaven, which will mean that you will become more and more like Jesus, right? So number two informs us about today's message. Um, God gifts everyone he calls. He gives gifts to everyone he calls. The scripture says, those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Right. But right before that, it says um, that God causes all things to work together for the good of those that love God. And here it is, who are called according to his purpose. He has a purpose for you. And if you can pay attention, you will hear that he is calling you to follow him. He is calling you to step out of your life and to step into that eternal life that really begins now. But he's not going to leave you to do that on your own. You're, you're, you don't come and say, okay, well, I want to I ha- be in heaven and I want to live with, with God for eternity. Now I guess I just got to gut it out and try and keep some commandments and do my best. See, the reality is God puts his spirit in you, much like you put your hand in a glove or like these children uh, slipped into those costumes that they were wearing and became those sheep. And God puts his spirit in you like that hand in that glove and begins to work in you and through you so that you become more like Jesus. And that will involve you doing the things that Jesus did. Jesus said, the things that I have done, he's talking to his disciples at the Last Supper. He said, the things that I uh, have done, you also will do and greater things than these because I go to the Father. Well, As Rick Warren points out uh, in his uh, material, the reason why we can do greater things than Jesus did on the earth is because he is with the Father interceding for us, 
right? And he is acting in our behalf before the Father. And so uh, we're going to be the hands and the feet of Jesus on earth if we're willing to pay attention to the Spirit, right? Um, so when we think of gifts and we think of something like climbing a mountain or singing or whatnot, um, many people think, well, this is something that I do for myself. And in our culture, you hear that a lot. Just do it for yourself, right? Uh, really just make sure, ma make sure you're happy. But your gifting, a spiritual gift, is not for you, it's for others. We're given those. So, you know, I would imagine that, you know, if you were at Veronica's home or Rachel's home and they were singing in the shower and you kind of heard through the other room, you'd be like, wow, that's awesome. But what if that's the only time they ever sang? Just singing in the shower and just, you know, Ronnie's like, I just do this for me. That's all. It's just for me. Right? No, man, we're thankful that you do it for us. Right? And they show up on Mondays and they show up early on Sundays and they've been doing that for years and years and years and years. Right? And they practice. Um, but that's so that their gifts can be used for you. Well, you, each one of us are given spiritual gifts and they are not just to be used for ourselves. In fact, really, they are only actualized, if you want to use that term, when we choose to use those gifts for other people, to serve other people, to love other people, to help other people, right? So that's number three. Your gifting is not to serve you, but for others. And uh, we're going to read Romans 12 in just a moment, but you'll find that in Romans 12, 5. And then number four, the other gifts I've been speaking of, uh, singing and climbing and these sorts of, they're natural gifts. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't be used in a very spiritual way. In fact, I think music is inherently a spiritual medium. But these spiritual gifts operate in and around and they undergird the other things that we do when you're on your job, when you're parenting, uh, when you are really just uh, enjoying life. These gifts work in and through you as you relate to other people, but they all come out when we gather as a community, we gather as a church, right? Um, so your gifts are spiritual. That's the, the first fill in there. So if you fail, and I, I just, really the term here is you need to remain in Christ or abide in Christ. But I kind of updated the language there. And I said, so if you fail to stay tight and tuned to the Holy Spirit, you won't recognize or use your gifts. If you're not walking in the Spirit, you're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, then you're not going to recognize these gifts or use them. If you don't remain in Christ, then you're going to default back to the natural, the carnal, the flesh, if you will, and sort of just do things your way. And again, you have some natural gifts that are there that you may use, but you're going to default to what we all do, which is becoming selfish. So all of these gifts are uh, charismata, right? They're, they're grace gifts. They're given to us not because we earned them, but because God chooses to give them to us. But uh, here is a, a brief passage of scripture. Actually, I'm going to read two verses here uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we've already covered this in my Corinthians study. The Apostle Paul writes, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So these gifts are among those, the things freely given us by God. 
And then verse 14 says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him, their nonsense to him, their foolishness to him, right? Somebody that is walking in the natural that doesn't exercise faith in a living, loving, good God is just going to look at this at best as something that is a feel-good theory for uh, believers, and at worst as something that they consider to be perhaps even dangerous. That's what we hear often today uh, about Christian beliefs. But the reality is when we receive Christ, we put our faith in Him, we allow His Spirit to come into us, um, then we do begin to understand and we have spiritual discernment, which by the way, in 1 Corinthians 12, which is not the passage we'll cover today, but if you come to my Corinthians class on Wednesday, we'll be covering that in a couple of months. But in 1 Corinthians 12, discernment is one of the manifestations of the Spirit. It's an evidence that the Spirit is present within you and it is something that He will, uh, will give you in certain circumstances where you need it. You, you need to know good from evil. You need to know, you know whether you need to be involved with that person or not, and he just kind of gives you that discernment, so to speak, right? So we need to realize that uh, we have spiritual gifts and we need to be spiritual people if we're going to receive those spiritual gifts. We need to abide in Christ. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, if you stick to me, then you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, you think about that uh, illustration or metaphor of a vine. Um, if you're a branch on a, a plant that produces some sort of fruit, you require the, the energy, the, the sap that you receive from the, the stalk or the trunk, which ultimately comes from the roots and is produced, and then you produce fruit. We've got to stay with Jesus, abide in Christ. And that's uh, John 15, 5. And then Galatians 5, 25, which I quoted just a moment ago, says, walk by the Spirit. If you walk by the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, which is the, the natural person. We need to walk by the Spirit. That's the only way you're going to recognize these, all right? Now, let's get into them. That might seem like a lengthy introduction, but really it's almost like uh, two sermons, I, I suppose you could say, and this next one won't be any longer, so don't get excited. Um, <laughs> This is, this is a teaching message, but I don't intend to get comprehensive about this. We're going to go turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, I have that passage up there, Autumn. And I'm going to back up a couple of verses from, uh, from where we have it here on the screen. But uh, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry, I said 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 also is about spiritual gifts, but I'm going to read from the shorter one, which is Romans 12. Romans 12, not 1 Corinthians 12, right? The Apostle Paul writes, For by the grace given to me, this is verse 3, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, this is verse 5. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Verse 7. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. 
If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So there they are, these gifts that are listed here. And uh, number five, these are really motivational gifts. This is what this is what gets you up. This is what moves you. Or we could say they're personality gifts because they wind themselves into your personality. So it's not like you're walking around saying, well, I'm going to exercise prophecy or I'm going to exercise mercy, which I think a better translation of that final gift that's listed there as mercy would be compassion. Um, some people have these in them naturally, but they do not really come to life until the Spirit comes in and brings them to life, breathing on them supernaturally. Um, some people are frustrated prophets. I've noted that. There are people that don't follow Jesus, but they're frustrated prophets. Uh, what's a prophet? Well, you might think of a prophet as somebody that foretells the future. No, it's really somebody who speaks to injustice and, and evil and wants to right wrongs. It's somebody who, when this gift is from God, is somebody who hears from God right? And I don't mean a literal voice, right? I mean this, this, this sense of impression from, you know, that, that is brought onto my conscience. They, 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 are, they are moved by God to try to correct what is wrong, to right the wrongs, to, to bring about positive change. That's prophecy. And there are plenty of people in our world today that are not Christians necessarily, but they have that sense. And I would say that in all likelihood, if they came to follow Jesus, they would find that that would be their, uh, their spiritual gift. Um, it's what motivates you is what I'm saying. And it is likely that you have at least one of these gifts that are listed here. In order to find out what it is, you really, really need to spend some time with the Lord. And obviously you need to confess that Jesus is Lord and open yourself up to his spirit, right? Well, I gave you a little bit uh, on prophecy. You can write all of these down. The next one is service. And um, there are a number of people in our church that are gifted with that. Uh, this is people that just, that's just what they want to do. You don't have to say, get up and go and do this. Hey, can you please help me? These are the people that are already doing it, right? They want to do it. It motivates them. I wish that was my gift. I really do. I have to kick myself in the tail end to get up and serve. Um, but this is why we all need to come together because we are all called to serve, right? I'm just telling you that there are those with this gift and it's easy for them. It's what they want to do. I just confess that I'm not necessarily one of those people. Sometimes I want to serve, but often I don't. But when I am around people that serve, it motivates me. It really, it incites me to serve. I, you know, I've got to say, well, I can't let, you know, the people in my church uh, make me look like I'm lazy and I'm not willing to do anything. Um, so nonetheless, yeah. Um, and then teaching. Well, that's fairly obvious. And I would say there are plenty of people that have this natural gift and then the spirit breathes on it and it becomes supernatural. And it's something that they uh, can be used to bring people into the truth of the word and to lead people. The difference between, I would say, teaching and prophecy is teaching is point by point. It's really more what I'm doing with you today. Whereas prophecy is more focused on one point and one idea and one area where you need to change, right? So it's kind of one thing at a time. So in, in essence, a sermon can be a teaching message or it can be a preaching message. And the preaching message is the one that's more intense 
and intent on getting you to change in a particular area. Whereas a teaching message like this is intended to open up the Word of God to you and inform you and help you to decide to enter into that uh, relationship, that apprenticeship, if you will, with Jesus, okay? Um, teaching, that's more obvious. Encouragement. Sometimes, uh, some translations will put the word uh, admonition here. Well, that's fairly obvious. Um, when I was in a church that really, really focused on spiritual gifts, we saw that often people with the gift of encouragement were almost the opposite of people with the gift of prophecy. The person with the gift of prophecy is like, no, we need to change. You need to grow up. This needs to, you know, these things are wrong and we need to make them right. Whereas the encouragement person is like, the kindness of God leads us to repentance, friends. You're down, you're hurting, I understand. I wanna get alongside you, I wanna help you, I wanna raise you up. Do you see why we need both? You do need a kick in the pants, but you also need somebody that will walk alongside you and help you to feel like you're not nothing, right? It's interesting to me that there are people who respond to these two different gifts um, differently, right? There are people that go to churches and pretty much they like the preacher to just step all over their toes and breathe fire. You know, it's like, y'all are just messed up in the head and you need to get right with Jesus. And there are people like, amen, I am, I agree. It's almost like they feel good because they got beat up a little bit and they're like, you know, pack your bags, let's go on a guilt trip. Here we go. And then there are people, you know, they, if, if there's anything, quote unquote, negative in the sermon, they're like, oh, well, I don't, I don't come to church for that. I come to church to be encouraged, not told what to do. <laughs> so you've got these two types of, of preachers that are out there, and I could give the names and, you know, you may or may not know them. Um, and, you know, sometimes the two sides kind of talk bad about each other, you know. Um, I think... And whatever you think about theology and all this other stuff, um, I'm just going to mention this guy's name. But I think a fellow like Joel Osteen is focused on encouragement, right? But if that's all you do, it's kind of like eating cotton candy and just going to rot your teeth out, right? So you need that. You need good, healthy Bible teaching and you need preaching. You need it all. You really do. And that's what the church should be. It shouldn't just be focused on one thing. Well, I only go to church you know, so that I can get my tail in kicked once a week, or I only go to church because I want to hear good things about myself. We've got to have the whole word of God preached, and that's going to happen when all of us exercise our gifts, right? Um, giving. Uh, this, is, this is financial, and oftentimes people that have this gift are blessed with more and more money because they don't just hoard it. Now, there are people that are just, they're smart about money. They know how to make money. They're just good at it. And they're not givers. They're just doing it in the natural. But I will tell you this. I've seen it over and over again. God blesses some people with this gift and they just want to give. And so God just keeps channeling more and more and more through them because they're trustworthy. They're not just going to take it and use it for themselves. They're going to use it to bless other people. But that's not just money. We think of that as money, but it's time. It's talent as well as treasure. So many times when we have young people in our midst, particularly teenagers, they have more time and they have a budding talent and they can share that. They're more available to share that than perhaps 
those that are in the midst of their careers and raising families and so forth. Um, to a degree, that's the children that you saw on stage. Now, they have lots of things going on in their lives and they have very busy parents. And uh, by the way, if you didn't know, those were, those were uh, four kids, a brother and a sister and a brother and a sister from two families, right? And I know both of those families are very, very busy families. They have a lot going on and yet they're here all the time and they want their kids to be trained. They want their kids to be brought up in the fear and admonition of Christ. And they know that that's their job primarily, but that we're here to encourage that and to bring teaching. And so drama club isn't just about, let's do some scenes and do some games. I, I do teaching along with that. Karate clubs, the same thing. I do teaching along with that. It's just using the gifts that God has given you to try to, to help people to, to learn and to grow. And so that's my effort at giving and teaching in some um, non-traditional contexts. And then leadership. So if you want to know whether you're a leader, you want to know whether you're a leader? Look behind you. Is anybody following? If they're not, then you're not a leader and it's okay. We can't all be leaders. Now you can lead. I'm just saying that's probably not your, your motivational gift. That's not your anointing is leadership. You got to lead. First of all, you got to lead yourself and then those around you. But leadership, leadership as a gift is just, that's the person that naturally rises to the top that everybody just wants to look to and listen to and follow. Now, you can lead people in a good direction or in a bad direction. I've met people like this and I've told them this. I've told them, you are a leader. It's just a matter of where you're going to lead people. So the best leader and the leader with this gift is the one that follows Jesus. Because if you don't follow Jesus, you can't be a Christian leader. Amen? That's the primary thing about being a leader. And then I put the word compassion here. It's translated mercy here. Um, but I think that compassion is perhaps a more descriptive term. This is the person that, I mean, they just have a heart for others, right? They hurt when other people hurt, right? They hurt when animals hurt, right? They're like, you know, somebody says that their pets is, you know, hurting and they're like, you know, they're crying and they're, you know, they're praying and they're, and this is just, this may indicate that you've got this gift and it just needs to be supernaturally quickened and, and, and enlivened and brought to life. And folks like this, here's another example of two opposite sides. Folks like this need to be in the congregation along with people like the prophet, right? Or even the teacher. They've got to be willing to come along and say, okay, leader, this is, you, you need to consider these people that are hurting. And, you know, maybe they don't know exactly what to do about it. That's where they would turn to the person that has the leadership gift, or they would turn to the person that has this more prophetic gift and is in tune with and listening to the Lord as to what the Lord's uh, message would be and what the Lord's direction would be. But again, this is why we all need to work together. We need all of these gifts operating in the congregation, right? So number six, um, all of us need to exercise our gifts for our church or in order for our church to be Jesus to the world. That's how we, and not just this church, Lifewell Church, but that's how any church of Jesus is going to be Jesus to the world when we are all exercising these gifts. You exercise them when we're scattered and you exercise them when we're gathered. By the way, the church is both. There are those that prefer to be scattered. 
They didn't mind the pandemic and being shut up in their house and, you know, just checking out a service here and a service there online. Uh, you know, these are our folks. And listen, I, I would agree in part that would say, you know, I, I'm closer to God at the lake than I am at church and so forth. But we need each other. We need to gather. And then we need to scatter and we need to be Jesus in the world. But in order for us, Life All Church or the church period to be that, we need to be filled with the Spirit and exercise these gifts. So number seven and last, and this is something for you to consider uh, as we close, as we sing our last song, what do you think your gift is? And are you exercising that gift? And if not, let us help you, okay? I don't remember if Pastor Craig said it or not. We try to say it every week. We want your feedback. We want to know how we can pray for you. If you're visiting, we want to know that you came and what you thought and if we can help you in the future. And there are cards in the back of the room. There is a podium as you go out the door on the left. There are cards. You can fill one of those out if you're here or just go on your mobile device and go to our website, lifefulchurch.com, and that's all of those of you that are watching online, go to lifefulchurch.com, and you'll see a little tab that says feedback. Click it, and you can fill out the virtual feedback card, and that will just be emailed directly to me. And again, you can do prayer requests, all that other stuff, but one other thing that's on there is if you would be interested in volunteering, right? So, those of you that like to cook and you like to serve, next week, we're gonna do our Thanksgiving feast here, no turkey, and by the way, Uh, We're not going to be mean to you if you want to bring a turkey, all right? (laughs) Honestly, it's really more of a gimmick than anything else. I just wanted to keep everybody from thinking, well, I'm going to cook Thanksgiving dinner next week, and now i got to cook another turkey and bring it to church. No, you don't. Bring meatballs or something. I don't care, right? (laughs) But for those of you that want to do that virtually, and you're you're online, and you're on our church's Facebook, uh, what is it called, group, then you can just go there and say, hey, this is what I'm going to bring, or just go out there in the lobby and you can uh, sign up on that sheet out there. That way we'll know that our bases are covered and what you're, but there's an opportunity and there's opportunities all along the way for you to serve and for you to be a part of what we're doing and for you to exercise those gifts, all right?